Context is really, really important. In fact, it's so important, especially when it comes to Scripture, when it comes to the Word of God, when it comes to the Bible, context is so important because God doesn't just give us the Bible so it's something that we can learn and read and and make a part of our lives. God speaks to us. He has a relationship with us through his word. And in order for us to hear what he's saying to us, the full meaning of what God is trying to tell us through the word, we've got to know the context. We've got to know the whole picture. And there's a few scriptures that get used out of context quite often. And one of those, maybe the most, is Philippians 4.13. In fact, it gets used out of context so much that this summer you may have seen a picture floating around where somebody made a t-shirt and it says, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. And so this morning I thought, let's look at that verse together. Let's look at the context of that. And I, wanna, I want us to see this key truth this morning. When we look at Philippians 4.13, we see this key truth that through the strength of Christ, we find purpose in our pain and in our gain. Now to see that, we have to look again at the context of Philippians 4.13. And in the immediate context of that verse, Paul is talking about his reliance on Christ to endure any circumstances, specifically when it comes to financial circumstances. But when we see the verse in the entire broad context of the letter of Philippians we see the full meaning of what it means to have the strength of Christ. And we have to answer the question, well, where do we find the strength of Christ? If the strength of Christ gives us purpose in our pain and in our gain, where do we find that? So let's look at that together. Let's read together, if you will, with me. Philippians chapter four. We're gonna read verses 10 through 13, but we're gonna be looking through the entire letter this morning. Now, Paul writes this. Philippians 4.10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Let's, if you would, just pray with me just for a moment. And I want to ask the Holy Spirit that you would continue to speak to us. You've spoken us through your word. You've given us your word. And now open our hearts to the truth that you give us through your word. Guide us through this time together in your name. Amen. The first thing I want us to see about the strength of Christ this morning is that we find the strength of Christ through what Jesus did. Now you notice here, Paul, he's writing in this letter and he's actually bringing it to a close. We're at the end of Philippians and one of the main overarching themes that he conveys throughout the whole letter is giving purpose to circumstances, whatever you might find yourself in, that Jesus puts everything in perspective. Now these verses in chapter four, speak to Paul's appreciation for the support that the church at Philippi has given him. They've supported him in the gospel financially. He's supportive of that. He's thankful for that. But he doesn't want them to think that he's trying to say something to show that he's in need or that he needs something. He's not trying to elicit some more help from them. In fact, he's talking about uh, being content in any situation. Now, 
Paul says he's learned to be content in every situation. He says that in verse 11. But what does that mean? What does it really mean to be content? It means that Paul doesn't find happiness. He doesn't find his joy based upon the circumstance that he's in. Paul finds his joy. He finds his strength by being saved by the grace of God through Jesus' death and resurrection. Now, if we look again, and you see in verse 11, we cannot miss or gloss over the word that Paul uses when he says in verse 11, that I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. We can't miss that. You see, Paul just didn't wake up one day and was content with everything, and everything was just rosy. Paul says he's learned this, and we're going to address that in just a few moments, more about what that means that he learned to be content. But he went through some life experience. This is something that just doesn't magically happen to him. He's gone through it, and now he has learned how to be content. Now, look at, let's, let's turn back a little bit. If you would take your Bible with me and turn back just a little bit to Philippians chapter 3, verses 2 through 11. Notice what Paul says here about finding the strength of Christ through what Jesus did. Philippians 3, chapters 2, excuse me, chapter 3, verses 2 through 11, he says this, Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God, and glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain resurrection from the dead. Notice what Paul says there. He had it all. He had status, he had wealth, he had people, he had a career, he had a path. But he says, I count it all as loss. In fact, he says it's rubbish compared to what Jesus did. It's rubbish compared to Christ. You know, this word rubbish is, is pretty interesting. It's, it's a, it's, the Greek word for this term is skubala. And skubala, it, it's, it's more than just rubbish. It's a little more meaningful than that. I won't go too deep into what that actually means. But it's only found here. This is the only time this word appears in the New Testament. And when you, when you see it in other parts of literature of the day, it's used to describe dung or something like that. And so what Paul is saying here, it's more than just like I count everything as loss or as, as trash. It's, it's much more than that. Paul uses a very emphatic word to describe what he thinks about everything that he had compared to what now he has to what Jesus did. 
He finds strength, purpose, and contentment in the new life that Jesus gives through putting his faith in him and his resurrection. Jesus has given him everything he ever needed in trusting him as Lord and Savior. He now sees his life in the right perspective. He now sees life in the light of eternity. So what do we see from this? We must not search for our strength in our circumstances or in what we have, our possessions. We must find strength through faith in Jesus as the Son of God who gave his life to save us from our sin. And this is where we start. This morning, if you've never put your faith in Christ, if you've never committed your life to following him, that is where the strength to face any circumstance begins, is by seeing that Jesus is worth more than anything else in this world. What he did gives us strength. We must find our strength in that. You know, it's, it's difficult for us to be content. Have you ever stopped to think about how difficult it is to really be content with what we have? I want to share a story with you because our world pushes us to think that we need something more, that we don't have what we need. Now, there's a story that appeared in the Atlantic back in 2015 that was chronicling the journey of the diamond engagement ring in America, and in fact, around the world. Did you know that late in the 19th century, there were some British businessmen, they owned the diamond mines in the world, and they started to have more diamonds than they knew what to do with. In fact, they had so many diamonds that people weren't buying enough of the good ones, and they were trying to figure out ways to ramp up business. So starting in around the 1930s, this group of British businessmen, they formed the company called De Beers. Now, if you know about diamonds, you know like that's like the company, right? And De Beers hired a New York advertising firm. I'm going to get this, the, the name right, N.W. Ayer. And they hired N.W. Ayer so they could find ways to sell better diamonds. Because up to this point, people weren't really giving diamonds that much. And if they were, they were small and not the really expensive ones. So N.W. Ayer decided to go on a campaign and put large, nice diamonds into any part of culture they could, mainly like celebrities and movies and political figures. And so you begin to see now in movies, movie stars were getting these large diamonds as signs of affection. And they wanted to paint a picture for the common person that, oh, I want that. And that was in the 30s and no one was really buying diamonds. And all of a sudden, they started to buy diamonds. In fact, it spread worldwide. And now, that's what we expect, right? That's what we want, to show a sign of affection when we're giving an engagement ring. And it's all because of a clever marketing ploy by N.W. Ayer. In fact, this is where, the, if you've ever heard the phrase, a diamond is forever, it all came out of that. And so it started, it just built on it. Now, how much do you pay for the diamond? Well, it started with, it should be a month's wages for the man. And then it grew to two months wages. And now I think it's maybe at three. So we just have to know that the world is pushing us to something. Now, listen, I got to stop here though. I really have to stop because I don't want to get in serious trouble. Men, listen to me now. Don't go home and use this as some excuse and saying, well, you know what? Doug said that, you know, the diamond, it's just all a ploy by the marketing. So those... <laughs> You know, I don't, honey, we got to, 
you know, we got to reevaluate what we're doing here. No, do not do that because I will not take your side, okay? I live in a house with four women. They're always right, okay? And I'm telling you this now because I have young daughters, but I know one day a guy is going to come and want to put a ring on that finger, and it better be a big one. And I tell my girls that. I'm like, if he thinks you're worth it, he better show it, okay? So I happen to agree with NWA and what they did because that's all I'm going to say about that. So I just need to make that disclaimer right now. Men, do not use this as an excuse to get out of what you need to be doing. Okay. But do you see what it is? I mean, that's, it's marking. It's, it's just the world pushing us to say, what you've got is not enough. You need a new phone. You need a bigger car, a bigger house. You need two houses. You need this many cars. I mean, they, we're just being told that we're, we, do, we don't have what we need. But the truth is that we find what we need in Jesus. Paul knew this because he had everything. It wasn't, he, just, he wasn't just saying this. He knew it to be true. Secondly, we find the strength of Christ through what the Holy Spirit does. Look again, we'll look back in verses 12 and 13 again in chapter 4. Paul said, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So Paul is making these statements. And again, we, we have to see what he's saying. We have to understand the context. He's not just saying that, like, I, I understand how this works to be brought low or to have enough. What he's saying is that he has lived through this. This word know is much more than just a head knowledge. It's, it's a knowledge that comes through experience. So Paul's lived through this to where he knows, he knows what it means because he's lived there. And not only has he lived there, but the Holy Spirit has worked in him to help him learn what it means. That's what he's trying to communicate here. The Holy Spirit has developed his character to face these circumstances. Now, in the study of doctrine, in the study of theology, we call this sanctification. I know that's a big word, but that, what that word, when we break it down, that just means to be sanctified or to be set apart. It's the Holy Spirit working in our lives to make us more like Jesus, to push us towards God, to shape us, to form us. As we draw near and follow the Holy Spirit with our lives, He works in us to make us more like Jesus. Again, let's look back in, in, in the letter a little bit. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, Paul says this. He writes this. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, again, we got to be careful. Paul's not saying to work for your salvation. He's saying to work out your salvation. He's saying it's time for you now to go to work with the Holy Spirit. Because then he says, he talks about God working in you, working out your salvation, growing in your faith. It's something that we take part in. And that's why discipleship is so important. That's why in the church, when we have Sunday school groups, when we have discipleship groups, and we encourage you and push you and put so much emphasis on those, it's because it's a vital part of our faith that we can grow in the Holy Spirit so that we can work out our salvation to be formed more like Jesus. 
And while these are very important that I just mentioned, these groups, it all begins with us every day waking up and yielding to the Holy Spirit, saying yes to Him, following the Holy Spirit day in and day out with our lives. We first put our faith in Christ, we find our strength in what Jesus did, but then we give our lives to the Holy Spirit each day so that we can follow Him and let Him work in our lives to shape us, to form us, to teach us how to endure circumstances that we face. It's a process. Again, like I said earlier, Philippians 4.13, it's not like a magic phrase. It's not something that Paul just woke up one day and I can do all things. This is great. I finally made it. It's not a magic talisman that we can put on our wrist or on our t-shirt or wear on our neck or even put on our face somewhere. It's not some sort of thing that just gives us the power to do whatever we want to do. It's a process where we learn that we can face anything through what Jesus has done for us and what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. To be strengthened through Christ, you must surrender daily to the leadership and the authority of the Holy Spirit. Now, in, in these verses here, in verse 13 specifically, Paul uses a very specific word for strengthens. When he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That word strengthens is the word, the Greek word, endunamounti. Now, that word is a present participle. Now, before you get lost on me here, what I'm saying that for is just to let you know that what Paul is saying, this present participle, this verb, he's saying that right now, the Holy Spirit is working in my life right now. But not just right now, but Continually, Like he continually works day in and day out to bring me strength. Paul uses this word in a specific way to demonstrate that what is going on here is a process. It's a daily commitment as the Lord works in his life. So we find strength, the strength of Christ through what Jesus did. We find the strength of Christ through what the Holy Spirit does. And finally, we see that we find the strength of Christ through what the Father is doing. Now, as Paul writes this, as he writes these words that we've read, in fact, this whole letter, he's writing it from prison. Paul's in a very dire circumstance. He's, he's imprisoned. He's on the way to, uh, to, to go before Caesar. And most likely, he's looking at the end of his life. He knows this. He's known this from, from the time that he started this process. And he's not discouraged by that. He's under imperial guard. And if we look back in Philippians 1, if you turn back with me to chapter 1, you see that Paul sees the purpose. You see that Paul sees that God is working through this circumstance he finds himself in. Chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, Paul writes this. I want you to know, brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Not only 
has the gospel been shared with all of these men who are in charge of watching Paul, the imperial guard, which is a very, very difficult thing. Not only has that happened, but now people around Paul are finding confidence, are becoming more bold. The gospel's going out from there because they see what Paul is going through. And that is encouraging them. The gospel is advancing because of what Paul is going through. Not because of what Paul has done, but because of what God is doing through Paul and around him. And Paul sees that. Paul knows this. He wants... The re- he wants these folks that read this letter, the church that reads this, to understand that God has a purpose in the good and the bad, in the, in the mountains and the valleys and everything in between. It helps us see our key truth that we mentioned earlier today, that God has a purpose in all of our circumstances, in pains and in our gains. When we see that all that we possess pales in comparison to Jesus, And when we follow the Holy Spirit every day, God will direct us to use our resources to serve him. He'll also direct us to see our pain as having purpose, gives us a chance to share the gospel with others in a different way. When we live this way, it strengthens us in our circumstances. We don't see things the same. We're looking for how God is working, whether it's in a good time or a bad time. What is God doing? Now, right now, you may be in a good season. Listen, we're all going through it right now, right? We're still in the midst of this pandemic. Things are different. Everything is different. Some things are way different for some of us. Some things are not as bad. And you may find yourself in a season right now of gain. You you may think that God has blessed me. And if he has, God is, is working in your life and can use the resources that you have to advance the gospel. However he's, he's calling you to do something, God is working in your life if you're in a, in a season of gain right now. But if you're in a season of pain right now, which many people are, very, very painful times, God is working in that too. He may be preparing you to be able to help someone out along the way. Your situation may be an encouragement for someone else as God works in your life, as God brings you through that. That may help someone else, may lift them up. It may give you an opportunity to share the good news of how Jesus has saved you. But God is working, pain or gain. And right now, I mean, since March, we've all been in this circumstance together where we've faced this pandemic and it's affecting us in different ways. But we must view our circumstances through the perspective that God the Father is working all around us. And in fact, because of this pandemic, some things that I've seen in our lives and in the lives of our family, we have connected with people that we wouldn't have had time to connect with, frankly. We've got to know people on our street that we just never would have seen before because we were always going this way or that way. And we've seen some incredible relationships. We've seen God working through that, through the time that he's given us. In fact, he's convicted us as a family that, you know what, we need to evaluate all that we do. Because we were so busy that we were missing out on what God was trying to do around us. And so we've, we've made a commitment 
to be less committed, to be more free to let God work through us. And that's all because of something that shut us down. It gave us that time. It forced us to have time that we didn't have before. So, again, going back to our key truth that we see. As we see, we find the strength of Christ through what Jesus did. And we find the strength of Christ through what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And we see that we find the strength of Christ through what the Father is doing. And through the strength of Christ, we find purpose in our pain and in our gain. We understand that Jesus means more than anything else that we could ever attain we could ever have. He is most important. We commit to following the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit works to, to, to form us, to transform us. And we begin to see the Father working in everything that's going on in our lives. We find the strength of Christ. We can endure any circumstance no matter what happens. Philippians 4.13 is on a verse about accomplishing any task. It's about finding the strength of Christ no matter what happens. So I'm going to invite our worship team to come back and we're going to have a time when you can respond to this truth. And how do we respond? There's a few ways. Today, you may have never given your life to Jesus. You may not be able to say like Paul said that I have lost everything because of Jesus and everything else is meaningless because of him. I have found what I really need. Today, if you've never given your life to follow Jesus, that's where it all begins. But you may be here today and you have given your life to Jesus, but you're not following him. You're not following the Holy Spirit day in and day out. And it's time to make a commitment to do that today. To start with the first step saying, Holy Spirit, today, I'm gonna follow you. We're gonna start that today. Maybe there's some specific things. Maybe there's something God's calling you to do with the resources that you have, with what he's blessed you with. Maybe there's some people that just need healing and you wanna pray, just ask for healing. God, show me the purpose in my pain. We may not know why it's happening, but we can know that there's a purpose. God, help me see that purpose. So I'm gonna invite you to stand. I'm gonna invite you to stand and as we spend this time worshiping the Lord together, Whatever God's calling you to do, don't say no to that today. Say yes. Put your faith in Christ. Follow the Holy Spirit. Ask God to show you the purpose of what he's doing around you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all you've given us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement that we have. That no matter what comes, we can find the strength of Christ through what Jesus did, through what the Holy Spirit does, through what the Father is doing. Help us to to have the strength of Christ to find the purposes in our pains and our gains. Give us faith to trust you, to step out and say yes to what you're calling us to do. In your name, amen. If you need to come and pray, please.